Now, as we begin reading, as we begin reading, and we're going to start in verse 11, it, it, it's, it's the parable of the prodigal sons. Let, let me ask you something. Please don't say, man, we're going to hear that again. Or I know everything there is to know about that. I got news for you. I've learned some new stuff this week. And I'm excited about sharing it with you. I I mean that with all of my heart. Oh, there are some things in this story that cannot change. Everybody that preaches them ought to preach them. And I'm not going to deny that. But I'll tell you what I've learned about the Word of God. I don't care where I go into it. David, listen to me. Even if it's your second time or your 200th time, there's always something new, son. That Bible doesn't change, but you do. It's just waiting on you to grow up to get to it like I had to grow up and get to it. You just keep reading, David. I'm proud of you. So you pray, and uh, we'll just trust the Lord to bless. If this message is for you, you just wrap your heart around and accept it and do what God would have you to do. He said this in verse 11 and following. And he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And he came to himself and said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned. The three hardest words in the English language to say are, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now remember what he was going to pray. And he arose and came to his father. What's the next word? Say it with me. Something's changing right here. He arose and went to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He didn't get to finish his made-up prayer. What's the next word? Say it. But, boy, isn't that good? I'm glad for the buts in the Bible. What a, what a great blessing they bring. The Father said to the servants, or his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Father, I'm thankful for the word of God. How precious an old story is, Father. It's like reading it brand new at times. We're thankful for what we see in this passage and how 
that God, you do your best and you do a marvelous job to reveal yourself to us who are sinners needing to be saved, but like the prodigal knew, he didn't deserve it. But we're thankful that you do what you do in spite of us because of who you are. Lord, you saved us without a cause, without a reason. You saved us freely, Paul said, to the church of Rome. God, I'm so glad that you did. I'm so glad, God, that any time we stray, fall away, miss the mark, and come back to you, Lord, you just allow. You just allow your children back home where they ought to be. And I pray today, God, that you would bless us as we look at this word, open our minds or understanding to the great truths that you have given us and help us to leave here. Rejoicing, Father, knowing that you loved us enough to do what nobody else would, know what, what nobody else could. Save the lost, reclaim a backslider, and do it all for your glory and for your honor. For it's in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm not going to reread particularly any, any verse. I'm going to show you, though, where the title uh, of this parable come from. If you'll look at verse 13, listen to what he said. He said, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to a far country, and watch these last two phrases, wasted his substance with riotous living. If you notice that word, riotous, that's where the word prodigal comes from. The word riotous itself means to be characterized by profuse or wasteful, by profuse wastefulness. Uh, it's talking about someone who spins foolishly and lives the same way. So if you're wondering what the word prodigal means, it comes from the word riotous, who, who, which defines the life of this young man that thought he'd like to try life on his own life, away from the father of life. He thought, quote, living it up, unquote, only to find, friend, clearly, and finally that life is really lived at home where God wants us to be and intends us to be. Somebody say amen right there. So today, I want us to look at this, and I want us to think about this, uh, this little thought. I want you to think about the prodigal and his father. When you begin to think about this, uh, this parable, this one-third of what is called a triptych or a picture that has three pictures in one, and that's what we have here. We have, we have what I call the lost and found chapter. Chapter 15 of the book of Luke is the lost and found chapter. It's introducing us, friend, to uh, some great things about God the Son, God the Spirit, and God the Father. And that ought to make you want to shout. That's what's revealed in the shepherd. That's what's revealed in the woman. That's what's revealed uh, in this Father is, friend, the Trinity and how they love us, how that they want to make sure, friend, that we get home and get all the blessings that uh, God's got in store for us. Look at the way this chapter begins, if you will. And this ought to make you shout. Then drew near unto him, speaking of Jesus, all the publicans and the sinners, for to hear him, the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, criticized him and complained about him. But I'm telling you what, 
forgotten when you're a sinner, needing but not deserving the grace of God, or where you're a backslider, you're out of fellowship with God, away from the fellowship of God's people. I'm telling you, it's good to know that God's looking out for you and waiting on you to return. Let me ask you all a question before we go any farther. Why do we wait so long? Why do we wait to come back where we need to be, ought to be, and want to be, oh, when we're lingering long in the morning, those dark hours of the parts of the night before the day breaks, our heart is broken and we call out to God. And yet when the time comes, the opportunity, when the day breaks, we seem to just continue on the same path. May God help somebody today to come back like this prodigal to their senses and to the place where they need to be, want to be, ought to be, used to be. Hey, listen, friend. This is a great, great message of hope to us. And I'm glad today, honestly, I am glad that God has laid it on my heart. Do you know what I believe this? You know what I believe this parable is about? It's about restoration. If you want to say it's about salvation, you and I won't fall out and won't argue. But let me tell you why I think it's restoration. And I believe it's applicable to salvation. So again, I'm okay with that. It was a shepherd that went after his sheep that was already his. Right? Now get in this message with me. He had a hundred sheep. One of them strayed. The shepherd went after his sheep because he had shed his blood for it. He had paid the price and he wasn't going to let a fox, a wolf, a bear, or a lion take it away. And I say glory about that. That little coin on the crown of that woman that was somewhat like a wedding band for us. Though it was lost, it was still a coin. I like the sheep was still a sheep when it was out of its place. And let me tell you this, whether you like this or not, agree or not, it's still the truth of the Word of God. That son uh, that was in the hog pen was just as much a son as before he left home and when he got back home. And let me say this, he proved he was a son because he went back home. Now let me tell y'all something different between a pig and a, and a son. It's all about nature. It's about the nature of an individual. You know why a pig does what a pig does? It's because it's a pig. Peter talks about the pig has turned, the, 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 the sow has turned to the water and in the mire, and the dog to the vomit. You know why a dog? I want to tell a joke so bad about two dogs walking about her down a railroad. I'm going to. These two dogs are walking down a railroad track, and they come up on a possum been dead three and a half days. And one of them just started eating in on it. Man, I'm telling you, tearing it up, looked at the other. He said, he said, he said, aren't you going to get in on this? He said, no. He said, I'm waiting on a hot meal now. How, how are you all stomach before breakfast? Are you sure you want this? Are you okay? Well, that one dog just kept eating. Well, they went, he got done. They went down a railroad track and wasn't long. He got sicker than a dog. Should I finish it? Second dog looked over at him and said, I told you I had a hot meal coming. (laughs) 
I hope the Lord don't convict me of that. Y'all hear it? But it was funny, and it, it, it illustrates. A dog does what a dog does because it's a dog. A pig does what a pig does because it's a pig. And a son will do what a son does because it's a son. It's good preaching whether y'all liked it or not. Anyway, this is what the Word of God says. He said, and the younger said unto the father, Give me the portion of goods that befalleth me. And he divided unto him his, unto him his living. This son was actually saying to his father and you, hey, listen, in my mind and my heart, you're as good as dead. I want what's coming to me. And that father who loved him, but listen now, he knew his son better than his son knew himself. Would you all agree with that? He gave him a third of his living. You say, what do you mean a third? Why didn't you give him a half? Well, the firstborn got a double portion. So that meant the secondborn would get a third of what his daddy had. Y'all got that? And he left, and, and, and he went away. Now look, friend, I believe with all of my heart, and I believe this for a backslider, I believe this with all of my heart, I believe this son had already departed before he left home. In his heart, he was already drawn to that far country. In his heart, he was already away. He was physically at home. He was physically still breaking bread with his brother at the dinner table. But in his heart, he had already left. He had not left physically, but emotionally had divorced himself and spiritually had already started that downward path to wherever that far country was. Far country isn't a far country by mileage. Y'all do know that. I won't explain it then. I won't go any further with that. But can I tell you what? It didn't happen overnight. Getting away from God, getting out of fellowship with God, getting cold and indifferent on the Lord doesn't happen overnight. And can I tell you, I don't know of a soul that ever wakes up one morning and says, you know what I think I'll start doing? I think I'll start backsliding today. I think I'll just start walking away from God. I'll walk just as far as I can on the, on the edge of my relationship uh, with God. I'll see how close to the world that I can get. But I'm still holding on under the hand of all. I'll just, I'll just see how far away I can go. I don't think that's the way it happens. You see, but we, we stop doing this and we stop concerning ourselves with that. and We don't go to church like we used to. Man, I'll tell you what. When you get to heaven and stand before Christ in the judgment, hey, that old saying, I used to, I used to, won't get it done over there. If you heard me say that, say amen. If you used to because now you're not able to, that's one thing. But you used to just because you won't, that's another thing. Don't you, you don't read your Bible. You don't spend that quiet time with the Lord. You don't pray. You don't meditate. You don't witness. You don't desire. You don't get excited about going to church. You go to church and you start picking on the preacher, complaining about the choir, and instead of going somewhere after, after, after morning worship and having a good dinner, you go home and pick the preacher and eat him. I'll tell you another joke. There was this family had a little farm. wasn't They weren't very. They were pretty poor. 
and only had one chicken. It was an old rooster, actually. And uh, the mama said, go out there and get that rooster. The preacher's coming home with us to eat dinner. They went out and killed that chicken, brought it in. The preacher came home and said, I'll tell you what, that preacher ate. He, he ate a lot of chicken, okay? A lot of chicken. Well, they were talking. You know, they were, they were, they were talking after, a, I said they had one chicken. They had two, actually. They had a hen and a rooster. Let me get it right. So they killed the, they killed the hen. So after, after dinner, they were out, you know, walking on the grounds, looking at the farm. And that old rooster standing over on, on one of the fence posts. He was just crowing up a storm, just crowing. Crowing, you know what I mean? He just crowing up a storm. Boy, I'll tell you, that old pastor looked at that crow and said, Boy, you're a proud little thing, isn't you? And one of the little kids was heard saying, and said, Yeah, you'd be proud too if you had a wife in the ministry, a, a brother in the ministry. I'm sorry. It was two roosters. See, it had been a long time since. <laughs> don't tell them if you don't know them, right? Let me back up. There was a family that had two roosters. No. Y'all did get the punchline though, right? And you did get the intent. It doesn't start overnight. It happens over a period of time. Somebody gets hurt in church. Lord God, I look at people and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. That's why you're not coming. My God, if I'd have stopped a long time ago when I got hurt, I'd, I'd have never went. I'd have never got a good start. Never will forget, I've told you all this. I love telling it, though, and I'll get this one right. I never will forget one time. I mean, the church where one of the church where I was at, we had a we had a tough time church split and all this kind of stuff, and and it was tough. I was three years in the ministry and that church split. Now that's hard. Y'all did hear me say that, did? I stand in the back. How you know, a pastor does. We set her up self to be shot or stabbed in the back. I learned early on. Somebody's come pat you on the back to really cleaning place off to stab you. You know that, don't you? I'm telling you, the more I be loved, the less. I, the more I love, the less I be loved. There's a woman went by me one time. You had to know him and said, you're a model preacher. I thought, ah, things are changed. I went home, looked model up, and it said a small scale, the real thing. You learn something. Hurt feelings. My Lord, get over yourself. Do you hear me? Get over yourself. Look. I don't know what happened to that boy. The Bible does not say. Did he get disappointed? I disappoint myself more than anybody else disappoints me. I mean, I go home sometimes and I'm thinking, surely you didn't say that. What made you think you've ever been called to preach? I mean, there are so many things that go through disappointment misunderstandings man anybody else have any of these things you say I'm testifying what I'm doing how about being overlooked being overlooked well they didn't or why don't they I have no idea but I'm going to tell you what friend you can find any excuse that you want to as to why you're where you're at and not doing what you ought to be and not where you used to be but the truth of the matter is you're the problem it's not things 
Things cannot hurt us unless we allow them to. Amen. It's not what happens to you that matters as much as what you think about what happens to you. That's the key. If you didn't get anything else out of this message, I just gave you a nugget that's worth a whole lot. But I've got to get down to the Father. I don't want to get bogged down too much on Him. The prodigal left because he failed to see clearly the Father and what he had at home. Now anybody can get hung up in the details. Amen? Unless you're a real man. And then, when you get something with instructions, you throw the details away. Until three hours later, then you say, Hey, honey, what in the world did you do with those instructions, right? Oh, that's funny. Y'all sitting there like, that never happened to me. I'm going to give an altar call here in a little bit. I'll be expecting some people to come. I mean, really, don't you think What I'm trying to illustrate here is that sometimes you and I are guilty of looking at the wrong things and the wrong person. See, I I don't know where I've not, but I'm going to give it to you and move on because I don't have time. Instead of looking at things and people and situations, you know what the Bible tells us to do? Look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we get blinded by Him, when we begin to walk in His light, listen, friend, nothing else really gets in the way. He said, if or since ye be risen with Christ, set your mind and affections on things above. I'm telling you, I about killed myself one time. I experienced burnout before I knew what burnout was because I was looking at everybody and trying to satisfy every single one of them. That killed me. It about killed me. And you know what I learned from that? I learned that I've got one to please. He's invisible. He's always where I'm at. I'm always going to see him if nobody else. And you know what? That liberated me because what I do now, I do for him. I hope it helps you. I hope it serves you. But I do it for him. If you like it, good. But as long as I please him, I'm content. Now, this message will help you. I told you it's different than any other message on the prodigal son. I imagine you've been, I've never preached it like this. And can I tell you the truth? Wherever you're at and whoever you are, only you know what's gotten you there. But I know what will get you from there. You see, his progression, it was first a personal disaster. I, it, it's exactly what it was. And it was followed with a physical disaster and it was also followed by a spiritual disaster. He got so low in this, friend, that he didn't even know who he was. He lost his total sense of self. You said how he get that? When he came to himself. You said, boy, preacher, I didn't think I could ever get that low. Oh, friend, listen. Disobedience can take us into so many places, so many situations. But I'll tell you what. He was coming to a place 
He was coming to a place of clarity. Let's read a couple. I'll give you another point, and then I'll move on to the Father. Look at verse 14. When he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't only, like I say, a, 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 a personal disaster. There was a physical disaster of famine. I mean, I, I believe he was empty. I believe he was empty personally, relationally, and, and friend, and ended up spiritually. I mean, you can't separate these. We're, we're, we're all of these things in one body. And he began to be in want so bad that he joined himself to a man in that country who sent him in the fields to feed the swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Y'all know what the husks were? Anybody? See, I told you. What? Nope. See, I just took for granted it was something off of a corn stalk or something related to corn or maybe the maybe wheat, maybe. But it was a carob, a carob, C-A-R-O-B, pod, filled with seeds. Came off of a tree. Don't look at me like I'm lying to you. I studied this out exactly what it was and listen to what he says he would have fain filled his belly with the seeds from the pods that come off of a carob tree that they fed to swine but no man would give them to him it was so bad no man would give him what the poorest of the poor sometimes had to eat and what was generally given to the swine to eat now folks I'm going to tell you that's pretty low, in need, and hard up. Carob tree. I wrote that down. I did not know that. All these years that I've studied the Word of God, heard this preached, have never heard that preached. And believe me now, I ran my references so much that I'm sure of it or else I wouldn't bring it to the pulpit this morning. It wasn't that he was carrying a bucket of slop down to them, and he thought, man, I'll just get me some. I saw a boy do that one day for $20. We were working a Camp Lightfoot. And we were in a line, and right in the middle of that stainless steel, uh, what was it? Um, counter, we'll call, that had side rails on it. Everybody brought their dishes, and we'd scrape them off, sending them in to the dishwasher. We had a 55-gallon drum underneath that little hole. One day in the back of that ton and a half truck, and that stuff was sloshing around in it. They were talking, and somebody challenged Mike. I won't give his last name away, but I'll save him from that. said, I'll give you $20 if you eat a bowl of that. He said, give me a bowl and 20 He sure ate it. It was different than that, do you hear me? This is illustrative, and you know that, of how low that he, began, that he was. But listen, this was his place to turn it around and to come back to his senses and go back to his Father and get under the blessings that was his all along. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you, and I'm moving on quickly. We don't have to go as low as we can go. But if that's what it takes, God will let you get there so you can come to your senses. Can I ask y'all without saying anything? In your Christian experience, have you ever got to the place where really it just looked like you'd lost your mind? Look what he goes on to say. 
And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and was saying to him, Listen to this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before then no more worthy to be called thy son. Look at that colon that comes in to view right after that word son. There's a break in that. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You know what? I believe his repentance was real because it allowed him to learn great truths about two people, about himself and about his father. Look at what the Lord goes on to say. And he arose and came to himself. Can you imagine what a mess he looked like? I've often wondered what, after Jonah come out of the whale's belly, what he looked like and smelled like. No wonder when he went into Nineveh, he got their attention. Especially depending on the way the wind's blowing. I, I imagine it changed the way that man looked. I believe his hair was a different color when he came out from that whale's belly. Can you imagine being in all those gastric juices to, uh, to have their effect on you for three days? I mean, I mean, let's just be real, friend. He wasn't sitting down there in a chair uh, with a lamp on a, on, on a little stool before him uh, with a sign on the wall that said, Home Sweet Home. That's about the way I saw it in one of those little cards we used to get in Sunday school. Do you all remember those? He was sitting in there, you know, just having a good time floating around. I believe the prodigal son looked tattered. I believe he, looked, he had lost weight. I believe his clothes were awful. I believe he smelled as bad as he looked. I believe that. And I'm going to tell you what, friend, listen, disobedience gets on you. Disobedience affects you. Being out of fellowship with God is not the right place for a child of God to be. And look at what the Bible says. And he arose and came to his father. What's the word? I want you to notice the concern that this father had for him. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. You know what I believe about this father? I believe he is looking for his son every day from the day that he left, from the first day that he left. You say, why was he looking for him? Because he knew one day he'd come back. Remember I told you a while ago, the father knew the son more than the son knew himself. I believe in this soul of my heart, friend. The father had a great concern about his son. I don't know, I've often wondered why maybe God didn't open up the heart of the father when he handed his son seemingly so easily his, his inheritance that he asked for before he died. But God didn't do that. Maybe we'll learn more about it when we get to the other side. I have no idea. But I want you to pay attention not only for his concern, look at, for it, look at his compassion. And when he saw him, he had compassion and ran, on his ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, you've often read that. If you have, say Amen. You get the picture without a problem. It's a father displaying his love. But do you all know what's behind it? Do you all know what the Word of God teaches about this? Why the father was watching for his son to return home? Listen now. He was a rebellious son. He lived with the drunkards. He wouldn't do what mom and dad said that he ought to do. 
And if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 21, you'll find that if a mother and a father had a son such as this, they could bring him. Now listen now, this is one of the most important parts of this whole message. They were to bring him to the gates of the city where the elders of the city gathered, make their accusations on him. And it just didn't happen once. I mean, it just didn't happen overnight again. If he was persistent in his rebellion, in his stubbornness against him, and by the way, stubbornness and rebellion is as witchcraft, the Word of God says. It's motivated by the same spirit of witchcraft. If y'all got that, shake your little heads. Pretty serious stuff is what I'm saying. You know what the elders of the city were to do? According to Deuteronomy 21, they were to pick up stones and stone that boy. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So look at what the father did. He showed his compassion. That's my boy. Back in that time, look, let me, let me tell you something else. What's the next word? I don't have it. Took it out. You, you know what he did? He did something very unbecoming of an old man. In the Orient, they did things differently what we do in the West. In fact, a lot, lot different. But you didn't see an old man running in the Orient in that day. Well, let me tell you what that old man did. He reached down between his legs, picked up his, picked up his robe, tucked him down in his, in his uh, girdle, which is a sash that went around his, his, uh, his, his loins. Took off running for his son. Do you know why? Oh, he loved him. Y'all agree with that? Happy to see him. He was joyous. Y'all agree with that? But can I tell you what else he was ready to do? He threw himself around him to, to protect him. He said, what do you mean, preacher? So those people at the gate, when he got back there, if they started throwing stones at his boy, they'd hit the father, not hit the son. Now, if that don't make you shout, I don't have anything for you. That's good. See, I'd never heard, I'd, I'd, now I've had this for a long time, not been able to preach it. I told Joshua about it after he preached on the prodigal that Sunday. He said, why didn't you tell me about it? I said, well, I didn't know you was preaching on the prodigal. His father knew the law. But this father, friend, who is a picture of grace, a picture of love, a picture of God uh, who was in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, reconciling the world into himself, was more willing, uh, listen, to let the punishment fall on him than on his son. In that way God has done us. Didn't he let his son die in our stead? Oh, what a compassionate, gracious, caring, loving God we have. For none of us who deserved it. Mark it down. No one of us deserved the grace of God. All of us needed the grace of God. And it's still available today. How beautiful, friend. How beautiful. He fell on his neck and kissed him. And watch this. 
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. What's the next word? Say it. The father interrupted him. Couldn't go any further. Now, folks, this is another great point. Don't, don't let tradition or history keep you from the blessings in this message. That son, he didn't even deserve a place at the father's house as a servant. Let's face it, in light of how he, react, how, how he acted, what he thought, what he asked for, how he had lived his life, how he had squanders, he did nothing to deserve anything from the father. If you agree with that, say amen. But you see, the father's not about deserving. He's about giving. He's about loving. He's about gracing. He's about forgiving. He's about restoring. He's about renewing. Now wait just a minute, sinner friend. Let me tell you something. God will judge. He's righteous. Altogether, he's righteous. But I'll tell you what, if you'll come to him, you'll find that all those things that I just listed, you'll find it to be true in him towards you if you allow him. The son was going on to say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me as one as your hired servant. You know why the father stopped him? Are you all ready? It's real simple, but it's profound because he was his son. He could never be a servant. Are you all getting this? Now, he served his father, but he was still a son. The servants that served his father were servants because they were not his sons. Are y'all getting it? A father can't make his son a servant. All the father can allow his son to be is a son because that's what he is. His son left, went into a far country. He was a son in the old pen. And he was a son when he got back to the father's house. And the father proved it in what he did. The father confronted him and, and, and gave him a confirmation. I mean, he cut him off in his speech. Can I tell you what? I don't know whether the father knew what he was going to pray but he was, as he was praying, he got to the place he knew, to, he knew that he needed to pray to. Does that make sense? And when he got to that point, the father cut him off. Now look at the confirmation to this, and I'm about done. The father said to his servants, bring forth three things. Number one, the best robe. Isn't that amazing? And it seems to me before he got in and showered and shaved and cleaned up. I don't know. But the best robe. You know what the robe was to do? That sinner trudged home. Trudged home, dirty and tattered. But I'm going to tell you why when he got home. He got transformed into the chief guest. Father said, Put that best robe on him as a sign of how significant. Y'all do remember the robe of, 
of many colors that, that uh, uh, Jacob gave his son Joseph. Number two, a ring. Put a ring on his finger. You know what a ring was for? It was a ring to show that, uh, that he had authority, that his sonship was in place. And number three, the Bible says shoes. I imagine it was sandals, but put shoes on his feet. Y'all know why it's real simple? Because servants don't wear shoes. Only sons wear shoes. You know the son needed what he was getting more than anybody else in that place. He felt worse than anybody. Everybody else is feeling something, I guarantee. Even his brother was feeling something, but he wasn't right something. This man had two prodigal sons. One of them was home, one of them left home. One of them got right. We don't know about the last one. And in typology, he's a type of, of the Pharisees, and they never got right. So he, 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 if, if typology holds out, we could say in truthfulness, he, he never got it right like the younger boy did. And I'm telling you what, the father confirmed his love and his position for him. And before I end, before Judy plays, you know what else he said? Listen to this. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Can I tell you what? I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I've never said it from the pulpit before now. But I believe this to be true. I don't know how long the sun was gone. Days, weeks, months, years, I don't know. But I believe this with all of my heart. The first day that boy left, the father looked at the servant and said, you get a calf and put it up and start fattening it. Now when that calf got fat and the boy wasn't home, he said, get me another calf. Start fattening him up. Did you ever thought of that? I believe that happened the first day. I believe the father, listen now, and this is the last point I'm going to give on him. I believe the father made preparation. Listen, the day the boy left home. And he's prepared for you if you need to, to come back. Now, Judy, you can start playing. I don't know if there's a person in this sanctuary that needed this message. I'm going to tell you what, I, I needed it. It's not that I'm away from home. It's not that I'm in a far country. It's not that I'm disobedient. It's none of that. It's none of, I just needed the message of this message. Fit, kill the fatted calf. You see, it was time to celebrate. If I read this right, these three parables, there was a lot of rejoicing. When the shepherd found his one lost sheep, you know what he did? He put it on his shoulders. There's an S after that word shoulders in what verse 5, I believe it is, or 6, wherever it's at. Isn't that amazing? For one little sheep, he put it on both of his shoulders. And the Bible says that he shall carry the government on his shoulder. Be back. All he needed for the government is one shoulder. He's got strength enough to take care of it all, to rule the universe. But when it comes to redeeming mankind, restoring mankind, he puts all the strength in that he has. That ought to make you happy. It didn't seem to, but it ought to. You know what the woman did? You know what the shepherd did? He rejoiced. You know what the woman did when she found her coin? She rejoiced. 
And you know what the father did? When his son came home, they rejoiced. Can I tell you, sinner friend, if you're not where you ought to be, and I call you sinner, we're all sinners needing to be saved by grace. But if you're lost and undone, listen, the Father has a plan for you. But if you're saved and you're backslidden, if you're backslidden on God, you know whether you are or not. I tell you what, God wants to celebrate with you. And if you'll come back home, repent like the prodigal. Tell the Father you're sorry. Get right with Him according to the Word of God. You know what the Word of God says? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repented more than the 99 that need no repentance. Listen to what He said in Psalm 103. Four verses and I'm done. Verse 10 and following. He hath not dealt with us according or after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Whereas the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him, for He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Every head bowed, nobody looking around.